Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast. Before we jump into the episode today, which is a solo episode, just want to have a quick and brief word for our sponsors. One thing that's really helped my mental health is a daily routine. Every morning after doing some breathing exercises and cold exposure, I like a smooth cup of coffee. I've been drinking Four Sigmatics coffee for the last three years, and it's been very beneficial for my routine. I especially like their Lion's Mane and Chaga Mushrooms coffee, which helps me with my mental focus and energy every morning. Four Sigmatics is on a mission to infuse functional mushrooms into the foods and supplements people love and use daily. Their goal is to enrich minds and improve well-being. By pairing Lion's Mane with coffee for focus, Oreshi with cacao for a sense of calm. Their brews, blends, and powders get everyone in a good headspace so they can focus on what matters most. Check out Four Sigmatic and use the code Easy Conversations, all one word, at checkout for 10% off your order. Today's episode is also sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy can be very difficult for many people to start. In my personal experience, when I was going through my divorce, therapy allowed me to bridge a significant gap. With the help and support of my therapist, I was able to uncover a lot of repeated patterns and behaviors that were impacting my life. Through goal setting, I was able to focus on things that required attention, which allowed me to improve the relationship that I had with myself and by extension, the relationship that I had with others. As a therapist, I've been able to see the positive benefits that clients are able to derive through healthy rapport and goal setting. BetterHelp allows a lot of flexibility where clients can schedule video sessions, sessions on the phone, or through messaging. In most cases, BetterHelp will match you up with a licensed therapist within 48 hours. If that's not a good fit for you, BetterHelp will work with you to find the right Join over 4 million users today by following the link in the description or going to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash easy10 to get 10% off your first month of therapy. This is a, another solo episode that I'm doing. It's become a bit of a theme around this time of the year. Started off as the focus on building healthy relationships with ourselves, especially around this time of the year, which can be very triggering for people and those that don't know I'm referring to Valentine's Day. Whether you're single or in a relationship, I think it's important to focus on that relationship with ourselves. So two years ago, I did an episode on how we can build a healthy relationship with ourselves. Last year, I did an episode on self-love, which was mainly the message I had put together in my book that I had released around this time last year. And this year, I want to focus on resilience. So I'll get into why resilience, but I'll give a bit of a background. It's a topic that I came across more so around mental health and how we can build resilience in a paper that I wrote two, two years ago. And I did a lot of research in terms of understanding how do we build resilience. And obviously, it's something that we can work with when we're children, but it's also something we can focus on adults. So those are some things I will cover in this episode uh, as well today. However, the paper that I wrote was mainly focused on secure attachments because a lot of the times when we have 
insecure attachments in our childhood that can impact our mental health, especially in adulthood. But the focus of the research I had done was to explain how building secure attachments, whether it's through therapy or friendships or relationships can really help us overcome some of the difficulties that we are bound to encounter in our life. Now, in today's episode, I do want to step outside just the secure attachment domain and look at other things. And I do want to also explain what resilience is and some of the stuff I came across in the research I was doing. Now, these are things we can also work on through therapy. So some of the common therapy modalities that I came across or people that may be uh, familiar with are CBT, so cognitive behavioral therapy and ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy. So those are some tools or modalities people can use and that can also help with resilience. Another thing that I'd come across was that could really be helpful is having a differentiated sense of self. Now, what does that mean? Often when we become codependent in our relationships or as adults, because we haven't really differentiate, have a differentiated sense of self from childhood, we won't know what we want in life and we'll often look to other people for uh, messages or directions. Having that differentiative sense of self can be very helpful and can make a big impact. So that's something I also wanted to focus on. Now, I also do want to caution because a lot of the times, and this is not something I'm trying to relay in this episode, is when we're going through something difficult, people will say, look at the opportunity here. How can you face it head on? Or it's just something you'll have to get through. That's not the point of this episode. I think we have to experience everything. We have to give ourselves permission to feel the things. And my goal here is to explain how we can overcome some of those obstacles or the adversity that we are bound to experience in life. And I think often it is good to experience adversity because it does help us become resilient. So I'm not trying to push the message that, oh, have this positive view on life even if you're struggling with things. So that's the toxic positivity side. And that's, it's an article that Adam Grant recently released too. So that was also at the forefront for me. So I wanted to get that out there. But what I'm trying to get at is a lot of the times when we do experience tough situations or hardships, they can become debilitating for us. And this is where resilience can be beneficial. The other thing I do want to debunk here is in a lot of the research I came across, unfortunately in the world of psychology, the opposite of resilience is often referred to as vulnerability. Now in that context, what they mean is, are we vulnerable to stress, to adversity? It doesn't mean that it should be considered as weakness. It's just how do we overcome those things? So again, I just wanted to highlight that because I don't want to give the conflicting message that a lot of the times myself included, a lot of people will preach that, Hey, we need to be vulnerable. We need to be able to express ourselves and be honest about our feelings. And that's not what this is about, that we shouldn't be vulnerable. We should be resilient. I think you can be both. And I just wanted to, again, get that out there. Those are the main reasons why I wanted to do this episode. The other thing I wanted to touch on is you don't 
want to fall into that victim state. That's why I think resilience is also important. A lot of the times it's important to be able to label something and have language to explain it, whether you're experiencing anxiety or depression, it's okay to be able to speak about it, but don't let that victimize yourself. So again, have that resilient mindset to face it and overcome it. So those are some things I wanted to put out there right away from the beginning and also give some context around why I wanted to do this episode. So one of the first pieces of research I came across was very important and I found useful. It's a paper around mental fortitude training. And the authors here are David Fletcher and Mustafa Sarkar. This one was written in 2016 or published in 2016. So I'll put all the articles that I'm going to be referring to in this episode in the show notes. I think these authors have done a pretty good job because there's another article of theirs that I came across that I'll be referring to around how Olympic athletes develop resilience. So their focus was primarily on athletes, but some of the things that they covered that I'll share with you guys and, and I talk through, but first of all, I think it's important to define in, in this context, psychological resilience refers to the ability to use personal qualities to withstand pressure. So sounds about right and straightforward. Now, just for additional information, the, the meaning of the word resilience has evolved somewhat from its Latin origin of resilier, which is translated as to leap back. So just additional information. They also talk about two kinds of resilience in, in the, the etymology of the word, but there's robust resilience. So that refers to the protective quality reflected in a person and them maintaining their well-being and performance when under pressure. If, if you're experiencing a stressful situation and you're able to still maintain your focus and still get through the day, that's considered robust resilience in this context. The other piece they talk about here is the rebound resilience. So how quickly you're able to bounce back from a difficult situation. And yeah, so they define it as the ability to bounce back reflected in minor or temporary disruptions to a person's well-being and performance when under pressure and return to normal functioning. So I, I've talked about this quite a bit in terms of maintaining almost a homeostasis, emotional regulation, and, and I'll come back to that too. There, there's some discussion around that in some of the other articles, but you are going to experience highs and lows of life. And what I like to tell people is you don't want to get too high or too low. How can you maintain that balance? So when you do have these occasional bumps and blips happening in your day-to-day -day life, how quickly are you able to navigate those? And that's essentially what this rebound resilience is talking about. How are you able to encounter these situations in life and not let them debilitate? So just something there. So one of the things they did talk about in terms of the psychological resilience, and they referred to it as mental fortitude. And, and then, as I mentioned earlier, when we were talking about the opposite of resilience, the, the vulnerable aspect. So they explained it here, vulnerable people tend to succumb to pressure with it significantly affecting their well-being and or performance. So just making sure we understand 
how vulnerability is used in this context. There's a few things I will cover uh, in this aspect as well. There, there's another interesting article I came across when we were talking about just defining resilience. This one is resilience in psychology, a critical analysis of the concept. I found this interesting just for personal reasons, but with the rise of positive psychology, this is what this article talks about, that we're talking a lot about resilience. In more so in the Western world, the author here is Silky Schwartz from the University of Berlin. I'll explain why it was interesting, but they basically say in the mental health system, there's a division between the sick and healthy or the vulnerable and resilient. And the reason why I found this interesting is the, he draws parallels to capitalism and refers to Karl Marx and says the economic resources are fundamentally unevenly distributed between the elite and the masses. And then the parallel that they draw here is just like the mental health system with its division between the sick and healthy or the vulnerable and resilient. They're obviously pointing out an issue that they see in positive psychology. I just thought that was interesting. And then the other thing they touch on here is the common psychological understandings of resilience. Generally speaking, an individual's stressful life circumstances were considered only in terms of their potential to negatively affect that individual's ability to function mentally, physically, and socially. Since the 1990s, there's been a gradual expansion in the perspective which focuses on the diversity of human responses to extreme stress. So there's various factors that promote personal assets and protect individuals from the negative appraisal of stressors. And then they extend that idea further where they talk about often that so social support, which is one of the important things that can help with resilience, and I'll touch on that later, is often extended to people or it's dependent upon power and status. And certain people are nested in settings which offer them rank and privilege. Those lacking in status and power suffer social discrimination almost independently of their own behavior. Again, they're just trying to make this claim or demonstrate that perhaps there is that difference between the working class and the elite, which is part of what the whole argument was for communism and Karl Marx's work. So I did find that interesting and wanted to just share that for discussion. I, I don't know if I fully agree with what's been presented here, but I could see some truth to it. And this is why I find this information helpful. And I like to come across these things because then it gives me an opportunity to think about them from a different light. And what this allowed me to think about was again, what I mentioned earlier in terms of how a lot of the times if things are happening to us, we can fall into that victim mindset and then consider ourselves to be victims. So if we take that approach and one of the knocks against the Marxist view or communism in general was that again, creating this victim mindset, the working class, we're, we're not part of the elite. And then opportunities are giving to us and they're taking advantage of us. Again, not to get into this debate right now, but just drawing that parallel, thinking about it in terms of that victim mindset and why being resilient can be helpful and not letting those stressors consume us and say, hey, I'm at the mercy of what's going on. With so now I will get into how, now that we've talked through resilience 
what can we do about it? How can we build resilience into our life? So there's a few articles that I came across. The first one I'll talk about, which I had mentioned earlier, was the work of Mustafa Sergfar and David Fletcher. So there's one from they did around developing re resilience and lessons learned from Olympic champions and the other one that I've mentioned previously. So what they're talking about here is psychological skills are defined as the cognitive effective techniques and processes that are strategically used by an individual to enhance and optimize his or her functioning. And they just build on that to say that often we are able to use in combination built this sense of resilience across a continuum. One of the things they do here and explain is how mental fortitude can be broken into three components. So there's the personal qualities, there's a challenge mindset and a facilitative environment. And in their work, what they recommend is you need to have all three. I thought that was a pretty unique way of looking at things, but the more I read about it, it, it made sense. So from a personality characteristics perspective or personal qualities, they talk about having things such as self-esteem, optimism, and being able to set goals, have positive self-talk, use imagery. So those are all things that kind of make sense. And that's another thing I wanted to build on because a lot of the times when we're experiencing adverse situations or adversity, it's important to not succumb to them, right? And that could take time. That could be a process. Maybe in the beginning, it's tough. But at some point, we need to have a sense of optimism that we will get through this situation and perhaps come out on the other end a better person or learn some lessons or look at it as an opportunity. Again, I'm not saying don't experience some of the, the negative feelings that come with it. Because if we try to repress those feelings, those can also have a negative consequence later on in the future. So my recommendation is feel it all, but at some point recognize that this could be an opportunity. So have that sense of optimism. And that's something they talk about in terms of the personal qualities that we need to have. That's confidence and optimize our motivation. And then they also explain that resilience can be on a bandwidth, which I thought was fascinating as well. Next, they talk about a facilitative environment. And one of the things they found in their research was you want to create an environment that is balanced between challenge and support. So what they found was students in an academic environment, if they weren't challenged enough, but the environment was supportive, then they would get comfortable. Or if they were challenged too much and there wasn't enough support, then they would feel like the environment was unrelenting. So the optimal situation you want is having enough challenge, high enough challenge and high enough support where the environment is actually facilitated. So again, if you're looking to build resilience, try to recognize, are you challenging yourself enough? And this overlaps with another paper I came across, which was around the beliefs about willpower determine the impact of glucose and self-control. This one was published in 2013. Basically what the authors found here was people who view willpower as limited and easily depleted often struggled with self-control and especially after sugar consumption. And in the alternative, people who view willpower as plentiful 
that is a non-limited resource, they showed no benefits from glucose. So it was basically a mindset thing where essentially if people believe that willpower was easily depleted, then they needed sugar to be able to perform. Whereas the ones that believed or had this confidence, which I touched on earlier, confidence in terms of their own willpower, then they had no benefits from sugar. So this kind of goes hand in hand with how you can have those personality characteristics that can help you build resilience. If you're trying to build a resilient mindset, then there are certain things you can do, right? So it's being aware of the environment you're putting yourself in and creating a facilitative environment. So if you have enough of a challenge and a supporting environment, that's a facilitative environment. And there's another paper I came across, which was stress relief as a natural resilience mechanism against depression. What this paper talked about was if you're going to expose yourself to a stressful situation, then you need to counter it with enough of a relief. So what they found in this paper was inhibition of stress relief facilitates depression-like behaviors, whereas a boost of stress relief prevents depression-like behaviors. Why do I mention this? If, again, if we're trying to build resilience and we're creating an environment that we want to be challenging, it's important to then also have some sort of stress relief, which can be a break that can help behaviors that are then resistant to adversity or hardships. Coming back to the Sarkar and Fletcher article, I wanted to talk lastly about their model. The third thing in the mental fortitude was the challenge mindset. The focus here is how individuals react to stressors and adversity rather than the environmental events themselves. It's having that mindset that you can overcome these stressors and adverse situations. One of the things they highlight is being aware of how you're thinking about situations. So are you having that black and white thinking? Is it all or nothing? The second guessing thinking. So if you can become aware of it and recognize it, then you can also make the necessary changes that are required. I want to come back to this developing resilience article that I referred to earlier. And essentially what the authors, Sir Karin Fletcher talked about in terms of tips that they got from Olympic athletes in terms of how they were able to manage high performance and persevere, looking at setbacks as an opportunity. So looking at those opportunities as a form of growth and mastery, how can you take the lessons. So if you were able to translate that to our daily lives, obviously we're going to experience different situations, adversity. How can we take those opportunities to grow and learn from them and then apply those lessons? They talk about be proactive in your personal development. So again, this is something we can easily translate into our lives. Are we learning skills? Are we teaching ourselves? Are we learning from others? Are we challenging ourselves? So we touched on having that challenge mindset or even creating challenges or environments where we feel challenged because that could also help us build resilience. Number three, they share, be sensitive to different types of motivation. So there's the internal and external forms of motivation, intrinsic and extrinsic. Both I think can be helpful. Intrinsic, again, gives us more of a motivation because it's coming from within, but sometimes having extrinsic forms of motivation, especially for setting goals that have metrics that can also be helpful. Building confidence from multiple sources. So some of the examples they gave here are performance accomplishments, experience and colleagues. 
Number five, focus on what you can control. So a lot of the times what these athletes were saying were they only focused on themselves. They didn't let others distract themselves. They focused on the process rather than outcomes. So again, if we were to translate that into our daily lives, how can we focus on what's in our control? A lot of the times people get hung up on situations that are happening and they're saying, well, these situations are happening to me and they feel like they're out of control. But what I try to t explain to people is you can focus on how you're going to show up. You can focus on how you're going to react to the situation or how you're going to respond. So a lot of the times there's a lot of agency that comes with recognizing what's in your control rather than focusing on everything focusing on outcomes or circumstances that might not be in your control. So that's also important. And then take specific steps to obtain that support that you need. So we talked about, again, creating the right environment, being aware of who you're spending your time with, who you're socializing with, are people that you're around, are they lifting you up or are they putting you down? So those are all important things. And I think these are all things that we can apply in our lives. Now, again, this was based on sports or athletes, but a lot of these skills can easily be translated into our personal lives. And these are some things we can apply. So bring it full circle. What we talked about here is what's resilience? Why is it important? And how can we build resilience? So I touched on some of the sources that I was able to come across. There's a lot of things we can do. It's putting ourselves in challenging situations. A lot of the research that I did review here today one of the things that was consistent, often we need to build that willpower. Often it requires us to voluntarily expose ourselves to these things so we can build that muscle memory. So then when the difficult situations do arrive, we're able to face them head on. One of the examples I use is I take cold showers. So I'm exposing myself to the cold, which is not easy, but it's allowing me to voluntarily expose myself to the stressor. So when other stressors come up during the day, I'm able to navigate them. Therefore, it was important to touch on all the ways we can build resiliency into our life. They were pretty consistent, all the information from study to study. So that kind of shows that whole reliability and validity piece. I did want to mention one thing though, in the developing resilience paper where they talked to Olympic champions, they only interviewed 12 Olympic champions. So the sample size was pretty small. So take that with a grain of salt. But again, they're just highlighting some commonalities that these champions or athletes were prescribing or, or recommending in terms of how they were able to build a resilient mindset. So I just wanted to highlight that. And then even in the willpower around the impact of glucose on self-control, small sample size, but it was represented in another study that in, I talked about, but I've talked about it previously. It was a study done by Yale where they gave 380 calorie milkshakes to participants. And then half the participants, they told that they were getting a 620 calorie milkshake. And then the other half, they told that they were getting a 140 calorie milkshake. And then they tested ghrelin levels in their system. So ghrelin is a hormone that shows up in the body where, where to demonstrate if we're hungry or not. The 640 calorie milkshake participants had a ghrelin spike, whereas the uh, 140 calorie milkshake participants had 
a flat ghrelin. So basically that demonstrates that again, our mindset is really powerful, which was demonstrated in that study as well as the other willpower study that I'd referred to. So it's important again, to focus on your mindset and how you can build a resilient mindset. And sometimes it's just having that sense of optimism and telling yourself you can get through a difficult situation. So I just wanted to reinforce that again. It was definitely demonstrated in the studies. One of the things I also wanted to highlight was even being mindful of how we're treating our children, right? So a lot of the times we're trying to overprotect our children and make sure that they don't experience adversity. Now, I'm not saying we want to create situations where there are adverse situations, but as I talked about earlier, when children are able to experience difficult situations or overcome obstacles, they're able to have that differentiated sense of self, and then they can carry that into adulthood. So they're building those skills early in life to overcome adversity. You often see that. And again, when we talked about the definition of resilience and the overlap with positive psychology and how the author was making parallels with uh, Karl Marx's work, it's important to recognize a lot of people that are in developing countries often experience adversity than people in developed countries. So they have a stronger mindset. Sometimes they experience way too much and often that can be debilitating, but overall you find that they're able to experience adversity and overcome it. This is something I can relate to personally. A lot of people have asked me about being a first generation Canadian and being born to immigrant parents. So I did see that in my parents firsthand, they had to leave their families behind and move to new countries, uh, learn a new language, learn how to work in this environment. So growing up, I was able to watch them be resilient and overcome a lot of difficult situations. And fortunately, being able to witness that and being having that role model for me and then my parents instilling some of those qualities in me and reminding me about working hard really helped me build a resilient mindset. So again, recognizing some of the things we talked about earlier, are you creating the appropriate challenges for yourself? Are you setting goals? Those could be physical or even intellectual in nature. So there's that aspect of personal development too, that we talk about a lot, but we don't get into the details of why that's important. We want to be able to stretch ourselves or set goals and challenges that are allowing us to expand our mind or our bodies. And that can help us also proactively build resilience. So we're not then waiting for difficult situations to arise. Then the other part of maintaining optimism when we do experience difficult situations. Now, again, being careful, like I mentioned earlier, there is that fine line as we now know that there could be toxic positivity, but recognizing that, okay, this is a difficult situation. I may not see the outcome right now. I may not see the light at the end of the tunnel, but how can I ride this through, use some of the skills that I've been developing and work past the situation? That's where that optimism can be very beneficial. The other thing I didn't really touch on throughout the papers, but this is something I wanted to briefly talk about from personal experience, but a spiritual practice has really helped me. 
And we didn't really get into the idea of mindfulness or some of the techniques and skills we can employ on a day-to-day basis can really help us emotionally regulate. So there's things that I've personally done and then I find really helps clients I work with, but talking about breathing exercises. So there's various breath work you can do. Uh, There's tons here. One of the ones I do often on a regular basis is box breathing. So that's just, you can look it up, but it's very common. And that helps me in the moment, especially if there's a stressful situation and I can disconnect from that stress and take a step back. So there's that whole analogy I use around step standing in front of the elephant. So when you're standing in front of the elephant, you don't really have a perspective of what you're seeing. So when you take several steps back, then you're able to see the elephant for what it is. So that's how I try to approach stressful situations. When you're in there, you have tunnel vision and it's hard for you to see what's going on. But when you're able to step back, then you're able to get a better perspective and outlook on perhaps what's going on. And that's where I find breathing can really help because then you're able to take a pause and step back and see, okay, the situation is not as bad as I think, or there are things I can do about it, or I can maybe do what's in my control right now and see how things play out rather than getting completely consumed by it and feeling stressed. So there's that piece, breath work for sure. Meditation really helps people. And I try to, again, remind people that meditation isn't always just being able to sit in a room and with your legs crossed and your eyes shut. I find when I'm exercising, I'm working out or I'm going for walks or sometimes even when I'm cooking, that can be meditative for me. So trying to recognize that meditation is being present, being able to shut off those thoughts that are always consuming us, that anytime you can do that, enter that flow state, that can be meditative where you're just being in the present moment and you can observe your thoughts. Often people feel like, oh, my thoughts are coming, then I'm not really meditating. That's the whole point, right? Your thoughts will come. How can you just be an observer and watch thoughts pass by? So again, there's an analogy, just watching your thoughts pass by like a cloud and just observing them for what they are rather than getting attached to them and running with them. And then the final piece around spirituality for me has just been the spiritual practice. Uh, Personally, for me, just surrendering to something uh, higher power, just recognizing that there's something out there and I can't put it into words, but having this belief and knowing that if I continue to do what's in my control and focusing on doing the best I can, things will work out. And I can attest to that. That's something I've experienced. So just again, being present and focusing on the things that are within my control and and doing the best I can. So that's been very helpful for me. And I wanted to touch on that. And obviously people have different forms of spiritual practices. There's not one way of doing it. Everyone does it differently, but I did want to touch on that because that can also help with resilience. I've also come across literature that suggests that a spiritual practice or spirituality in general can really help people 
with mental health. So there is something to be said there and uh, just wanted to shed some light on that. So yeah, again, I, I think this topic is very helpful. It's really helped me and I see a lot of people often struggle with it or tend to avoid difficult situations. And it's important that we can't avoid them. So how can you face situations head on, work through them? And a lot of the times that's where anxiety comes from because we're trying to avoid these difficult situations or depression where we're ruminating around difficult situations and how we react it. So resiliency can really help us with both, right? So we talked about it. How can you bounce back from difficult situations? Or how can you weather those storms that we all experience in life? I hope this was valuable for you and you got a lot out of this episode. If you have any questions or comments, I always love to hear from people if they want to share anything. The other thing I would like to add is that I've built a course around resilience, but which is focused around mostly loss, grief, breakup, or divorce. It kicks off in approximately a month here. So you can check out my website for details if you're interested or just contact me. Um, so it will be online and it's four weeks with two hour sessions each week. Our goal is to talk through a lot of these things, build mindful practices and focus on how we can develop a differentiated sense of self, build a, an identity around resiliency. So those are things that we'll cover in the course. Yeah, thank you for checking out this episode. And as always, if you can leave a review or a comments in the comment section, I would truly appreciate it. And until next week.